We do better than that. Attitude check. That's the kind of enthusiasm we want to see and hear. Oh, it's a good morning this morning, but it is a little chilly. Smile, Polly. Smile, Polly. Smile, Polly. There. Okay. Since you wouldn't have the energy. No, I expect not. Uh, while we're looking at uh, or thinking about announcements, uh, the announcements in the bulletin this morning are incorrect as usual. We uh, we will not be hosting the uh, the men's meeting. That's true. But uh, however. Austin Christian Church will be, since they missed last month, uh, they will be hosting it this uh, this month in March, the 14th, at 7.30. They're not going to feed, and that's uh, probably a good idea. Uh, see how the COVID virus does, and we'll see if we maybe we can't uh, set up a meeting without food for, uh, for April and get us back in the swing of things. But, uh, you what? I have immunity. To what? <laughs> uh, to so, Bob. Yep. To Bob. Yeah, a lot of people do, apparently. Um, Six-man quartet. We're not going to uh, do any practicing on anything. But we just wanted to find out who's going to be here for, uh, for the candlelight communion service and the uh, Easter morning service so we can work up a couple of specials, so uh, if you don't feel like hanging around, that's all we want anyway. So that will uh, we'll take care of that. Do we have any birthdays this week? No birthdays? Hmm. Okay, anniversaries? No anniversaries. Well, praise the Lord anyway. Let's uh, let's turn to number 135. I love thy kingdom, Lord. Stand and worship, please. This is true. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. The bread of life, of course, is God's word. Amen. Amen. Break thou. 
Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father in God, we are so grateful to be here in your house this morning. Lord, thank you for healing me from this COVID. Yes. I am so grateful. Lord, I pray that uh, you will be with Kathy Robbins this morning, that you will let the doctors find something simple that they can fix. Lord, bless Fred and Mary as they have shown love to care for her and take her to the hospital. Protect them from anything that Kathy may have that will not be transferred to them. Lord, we ask you to be with us here this morning. We need you. This nation needs you. This church needs you. I need you. We all need you. Above everything else, Lord, everything this world has to offer one day will melt with fervent heat. But what will remain is your word. What will remain is our relationship with you. So, Lord, grow that relationship in us this morning and work through us to help others to grow a relationship with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father... Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 239, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. vision. It might help us maneuver through whatever the years bring us if we can see clearly. 
especially if we have that kind of 2020 vision that enables us to see reality clearly and as Paul prays in Philippians that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best. Amen. How can we gain the kind of 2020 vision that enables us to determine what is best? The years will bring all kinds of tests, temptations, ups and downs, joys and sorrows, opportunities and challenges. How do we determine what is best? It may depend on what kind of glasses we are wearing. What we choose will be determined by how we look at life. We all look at life through certain lenses. Some have lenses that are covered with dollar signs, and they see everything in terms of how much money they can make. Others look at life through racist or sexist or political or nationalistic lenses. As Christians, we can choose to look through a different lens, the lens of Jesus, or what we might call Christ-colored glasses. How did Jesus look at life, at people? Matthew tells us that when he saw thousands of people who had followed him to a deserted place, he had compassion upon them. To view life through the lens of Jesus means to see everything through his character, that is, through his grace, compassion, love, kindness, goodness, and integrity. It means to go through life choosing to live as a servant intent on doing the will of God the Father. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. As we focus on Jesus, our view of life is shaped by him, and we begin to see through the lens of Jesus. Give us the kind of 2020 vision that we need to determine what is best. Let us focus, therefore, on him who took the bread, blessed and broke it, and said, This is my body given for you, and also the cup, saying, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, together we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to remember the extraordinary sacrifice you made in sending Jesus, your beloved Son, to be with us. We, we thank you for his legacy in words, actions, and obedience to suffering on the cross. Amen. Lord, we come to you now to ask for forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or deeds that have not honored your name. We are also truly sorry for the times we have chosen to live selfishly rather than heed your calling. We invite you to inhabit our hearts now as we take communion. As we share this meal, come bind us together as one family filled with your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is at work in our lives. Amen. Let's take a few moments and focus on Christ and the gift that he presented us with, his life. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered around the upper around the table in the upper room to celebrate the Passover feast, Jesus took bread and broke it, blessed it, gave to each of them, saying, This is my body broken for you. Eat ye of it. likewise the cup when they had eaten Jesus gave thanks blessed it and passed among them saying this 
is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God from sing God's praises once again standing on the promises Brother Mitch. Yeah, yeah, you always pick me out. <laughs> I have to stand, you all get to sit. <laughs> such a good target. <laughs> Bless you, brother. Oh, good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Well, it's really great for me to be here, I'll tell you. I miss being here the last three weeks. Uh, you know, I was never really miserable bad sick uh just had that low grade fever and a feeling of a lack of energy <laughs> didn't want to do anything not that that's real unusual for me but <laughs> uh but i especially didn't feel like doing anything <laughs> let's put it that way you know people say they have a, some people lose a sense of taste and some lose a sense of smell the only sense that it 
bothered for me was my feelings. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> Praise God, it's gone. I'm here. God is good. All the time. Amen. Well, uh, Brother Mike had an excellent message for you guys last week. I listened online, the three Ps, um, and I appreciate that. It's nice to know that I have someone who can step up, step in when I can't be here. So that is much appreciated. All right, this morning, <clears throat> this being the fourth Sunday of the month, uh, I have following the pattern of doing something different than the gospel. So this morning I have a message from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, that is called, Sin Has Consequences. And uh, I'll read the scripture, but I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible again, because I printed it out that way, uh, big print, so I can read it. <laughs> For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abounded abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, I want to bring this to a parallel that is in something that I read very recently. And many of you, I know, have heard of Dr. George Barna, and I've shared some of his stuff before. This is an article from World News Daily. Uh, and 
in it, Dr. George Barna's research on millennials in America. So I fear for the future, considering the views of the largest generation in our history. Now, here's a few of the things that came out of this study that Dr. George Barnett did. Almost one half of all young adults prefer socialism to capitalism. Half. Foundation of absolute truth has been replaced by relativism with feelings and friends forming one's worldview. Nine out of ten are syncretist, picking a mixture of beliefs from different religions so as not to appear intolerant. Being born again doesn't result from repentance and faith in Christ's sacrificial substitutionary death and resurrection, but refers to being a good person, doing good deeds to merit one's salvation. Only 28% believe the Bible is the word of God. The overwhelming majority reject the concept of an all-knowing, all-powerful creator and do not accept the biblical historical view of scripture, sin, and salvation. Some scripture comes to mind in light of the younger generation drifting dramatically from God. That entire generation passed away, and after them grew up a generation who did not know the Lord or the deeds he had done. That comes from Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. Moreover, in those days I also saw Jews who had married the women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke in the language of Ashdod, yet none of them could recognize the language of the Jews. Nehemiah 13, 23, and 24. Now, here's more sobering data from Dr. Barna's research. Two out of three millennials believe they are Christians, yet their responses indicate they are not true disciples following Jesus as Lord. Two out of three. Three out of four believe all religious faiths are of equal value. 56% reject the existence of absolute truth. A scant 4% of millennials hold to a biblical worldview regarding God, life, and morality. Only one in four millennials believe that they can trust Christian pastors. Ouch. A high percentage identify themselves as don'ts, meaning they don't know or even care if God exists. Wow. These are our soon-to-be leaders, folks. Think about that. Now, back to our text. In verses 21 through 24, it said that people exchange... The truth of God for idols. In other words, they find an alternative. You heard of alternative lifestyles? What's it an alternative to? It's an alternative to God's way, the right way, the truth. And in this particular case, they exchange the truth of God for idols. Now, what are these young people doing? They don't believe in the word of God. What do they put their faith in? They put their faith in themselves and their friends. They're exchanging the truth of God for idols. Now, there's a consequence with that because it says God hands them over. Over to what? Over to whom? It says over and over again that he hands them over to allow them to go ahead and do the things that they have begun to do. But in other words, what he means ultimately is that he's handing them over to the devil. He's handing them over. Go ahead. If that's what you want, go ahead. And just find out how that works out for you. 
one day you will find yourself begging and pleading with me to forgive you. Hopefully. (laughs) That's the goal. The next one is in verses uh, 25 through the first part of verse 26. It said, people exchange the truth of God for a lie. Well, what do we see? People are believing lies more than they're believing God's word. I mean, it's not hard to see that over and over. But again, what's the consequence? God hands them over. You know, I'm not sure if, any, if we understand just how frightening that word, that, that, that phrase is. God hands them over. Folks, have you read about hell in your Bible? It's an ugly place. It's horrifying. Flames burning all the time. Worms eating you all the time. You're burning. You're suffering. Why? Because you chose to ignore God and the love that he has for us. We chose to ignore his offer of sacrifice through Jesus for us. We choose to not accept that Jesus' death on the cross, the wrath of God that he took on himself for us, was sufficient. We just ignored that. I want to party. I want to have fun. I want to, I want to live how I want to live. Well, guess what? You're going to die where you don't want to die. And you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. There are consequences for our sinful choices. There are rewards for our righteous choices. And then we find in verse, the latter part of verse 26 through 31, it says, people exchange natural sexual practices for the unnatural. And again, it says, God hands them over. I'm glad we don't see that in our country. <laughs> I think there's a progression there in these Statements. You start out exchanging God for an idol. Then it leads to you believing a lie instead of the truth. And then ultimately it leads to you wanting to just have pleasure in your life at whatever experience, whatever cost. You don't care. It's just about, it becomes about hedonism. It becomes about pleasure in our life. Why? Because there's no God, there's no devil, there's no heaven, there's no hell. What's the point? We might as well live the way we want to live because when we die, that's it. It's over. That is the lie that many have bought into. That is the lie that many are living by and believing today. Young and old alike. You don't have to be young to be unfaithful. Folks... When I was reading and studying this, I had to stop and think about my own life. How many times have I decided that I like or dislike something in God's word? Well, it's pretty common, really. We read about something that we like to do, and the Bible says don't do it. It's like, "Uh uh-uh, go away, you bother me. And then you get that nagging little sense of, uh, something's not right. Uh, God, what's wrong? Hey, you said you didn't want me around, so hey, <laughs> I took a hike. <laughs> you want to come back? Repent, do what I say. Repent, do what I say. Submit to me, and we'll be close. Tell me to get lost, I will. <laughs> But there is hope. There's always hope. In this uh, rest of this article, uh, 
if I can find it now. There is a continuation here of the things that have happened in the past and can happen again. You know, the Bible says that when we look around and we see the evils that the devil is working in and through people around us, that it should hurt us. It should hurt our heart. If we really have the love of God, God loves everybody, folks. It don't matter if they're murderers, rapists, child molesters, God loves them. He's not going to bless them for those things, but he still loves them. His goal is for them to repent. They have to pay for their sins, but he wants them to repent and to change. And it should be our goal as representatives of Jesus. It should be our our heart should be in this. Winning souls for Jesus. Our heart should see how much hurt people have as a result of their sinful choices. And we should try to help them to heal through Jesus. This is not something that is easy for us to do. But neither was it easy for Jesus to go to the cross. He set the example. He's the standard. But here's hope. We look around and we see all of those things that were listed in that scripture. We can see them all on display just by watching the news. (laughs) We can see them on display by going to the mall or going to Walmart. Or sometimes going to the dollar store, right? (laughs) But there's things that have come from God's people realizing the sinfulness that's going on and coming together and praying in the Spirit. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. There was the first great awakening. It was in Northampton, Massachusetts, where Jonathan Edwards helped to ignite God's miraculous intervention in the darkest period of the 1700s, which resulted in an unbelievable societal transformation. The second great awakening was in uh, uh, Oberlin College, a ground zero destination, where in the 1800s, Charles Finney was catalytic, uh, catalytic, sorry, uh, and with others in bringing sweeping revival fire to America in what is now known as the second great awakening that revolutionized society. The Azusa Street Revival is Bonnie Bray Street. The revivalist Lou Engle were at the turn of the 20th century. A handful of people gathered and soon God poured out his spirit in an unprecedented way in Los Angeles birthing the Pentecostal movement that today has reached almost half a billion people worldwide and God used a humble one-eyed black man ironically named William Seymour (laughs) who wanted to see more of God in his day. Mm -mm -mm. Do we want to see more of God in our day? The Jesus movement in one of the most turbulent times in America's history God rescued People from the 60s, lost souls, rock band, uh, and other things that were going on in a revolutionary, youth-centered Jesus revolution that saw millions of sons and daughters converted and changed by the power of the living God. Wow. Then there was a Brownsville revival 
Revival broke out in Pensacola, Florida. And providentially, God planted uh, people in the midst of a divinely orchestrated move of his spirit where in a five-year period, two million came from across the world and 200,000 were converted to the glory of God. Now, George Barna finds that there are seven common denominators that can help bring about these changes, okay? First one is passionate and prevailing prayer, okay? We can all do this. We can all do this. We can do it as individuals. We can do it as a church. It needs to be a movement. Number two, genuine repentance and living lives of happy holiness. Number three, freedom from the uh, freedom for the Holy Spirit to move in spontaneity under godly oversight. We need to expect that God's going to work through us, and we need to not resist when He wants to. You know, sometimes we get that urge to go do this or do that or say this or say that, but then we say, "Oh no, I can't do that." That's killing, crushing the spirit working in us. Number four, rekindling lifestyle evangelism and consistent, compassionate outreach to the lost and those suffering in poverty, persecution, and exploitation. Oh, I've never seen anybody in any of those circumstances. Have you been around town here lately? Just right here in Lexington? Number five, rediscovering the passionate preaching of the Word of God. That means y'all got to get a new preacher. (laughs) Number six, restoring a healthy fear of the Lord through a revelation of divine judgment and experience of Holy Spirit conviction. Oh, we don't talk about those kind of things too much anymore, do we? Hmm. And finally, number seven, most importantly, rekindling the fire of the first love zeal and simple devotion to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord means he's the boss. We depend on him. We do what he says. Here's the deal. In the last days it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Acts 2.17. The time has come. Let's respond and see revival fire. It's up to us. It's up to us. Lost people are not concerned about everybody else. They're not mostly concerned about anybody else. Lost people are not going to work to bring revival to this nation. In fact, they're hedonists. They want more pleasure, more rights to do whatever they want. It's only God's people who can put, who can make a difference. He put us here to make a difference. God put us here for such a time as this. The challenge has been put to you and to me to share the love of God, to grow the kingdom of God. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do with this information? What are we going to do with the love of God that he has shared with us? What are we going to do with the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that guides us into all truths, that guides us into doing all these things? We have prayer here every weekday morning from 7 to 9. Usually it's Herman, Mark, and I. That's it. It's too early. Messes up my whole day. 
Prayer never messes up your day, folks. That's the only way to start your day. We don't just pray. We worship. We study. We try to grow in our faith. And it's open to everybody. Always has been. We've had a few people come and go. (laughs) They just can't take it. How much do you pray at home? How much do you spend time in your word? You see, if we're going to do what God called us to do, we have to know what he says to share with others. And that doesn't mean you have to enroll in a Bible college, but you do have to read it. The the Holy Spirit can recall what we have in our minds. But if we don't have it there, it's not going to be recalled. The challenge is before us. 2022, it's all about you. All about you, God. What are we going to do? If you have a need, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 381. There's room at the cross for you. Plenty of room. Let's stand. The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide, and its grace so free is sufficient for me, and deep is its fountain as wide as the sea. There's Wish we could all be that way. Amen. Hmm. Maybe we should let Mary preach. We could. You got him all excited, maybe you can get us all excited. (laughs) 